Listener Production. So we know Aussie women played a big role in voting the coalition out at the last election. And we've been hearing for months now about how the Liberal Party has a problem with women in its ranks. So where does this leave Conservative women? The average Australian, according to the latest census, is a 37-year-old female. And the average Liberal member is a man in his 60s. And that disconnect is really hurting our party. That's Charlotte Mortlock. She's in her 30s and she has a grassroots plan to flood the party with women in a bid to bring it back to the right of centre politics. And how will she do it? Is it enough to change what's become a pretty toxic pattern? But first, today's headlines. It is Wednesday, the 28th of September, and I'm joined by Tom Tilley. Starting with the Optus hack story, there's been a lot going on on this one. Um, The hacker appears to have backed down from their $1.5 million ransom. So yesterday morning they released 10,000 customer records and threatened to release 10,000 more each day until they got their ransom. Then hours later they posted on a forum saying, we will not sell data to anyone. I mean, that's how they wrote it. We can't even if we want to. Personally deleted data from drive, only copy. Australians will see no gain in fraud. This can be monitored maybe for 10,200 Australians, but not the rest of the population. Very sorry to you. And one other thing they said, they said too many eyes, um, which is interpreted by many as uh, a reference to the FBI and the AFP who are investigating the hack. This story is wild and it just keeps getting wilder because at the same time, the Commonwealth Bank has had to block an account referenced in a text message designed to extort $2,000 from victims of the Optus data breach. And in some states, governments are making it easy for Optus customers to change their driver's licence. Yeah, in Queensland and South Australia, those new licences are free of charge, which is pretty good. Um, In New South Wales, it will still cost $29, but you can claim it back from Optus. So it's just getting so messy for Optus, who are in absolute crisis mode. And Tom, I'm an Optus customer, and I've been speaking to some sort of tech expert friends about what like I can do or what people at an individual level can do. And the short answer is not a huge amount. Like, yes, you can change your password on your Optus account and your net banking um, and applying for a new passport and license number isn't a bad idea. But at the end of the day, that doesn't change the fact that they've got your name and date of birth and address and bank account. So the real problem or concern here is identity theft. Mm. Um, so then really what you can only do is watch your banking transactions and maybe even ask your financial institutions to put a freeze on any credit checks because people, well, the concern is with identity theft that people will try and open credit cards and try mm. to apply for loans in your name, mm. which is a bit of a worry. Yeah, so you can do your best to monitor your existing accounts, but the fear is that they use your your data, your identity points to start absolutely brand new accounts in your name. Today, the legislation for the new federal integrity body, which will be now known as the National Anti-Corruption Commission, will be introduced to Parliament. We look forward to support from across the Parliament for this powerful, transparent and independent National Anti-Corruption Commission. That's the Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus. So this is the body Scott Morrison said he would introduce. 
and then didn't, and the key issue the Teal Independence campaigned on, the Federal Anti-Corruption Commission would be independent from the government and it would be able to investigate anyone in the federal public service as well as third parties who pose a corruption threat. Yeah, so that legislation will be introduced today by Mark Dreyfus uh, and then it will go to a parliamentary committee which will conduct an inquiry into the bill and Mark Dreyfus said he hopes it will be debated and then voted on in the final two weeks of Parliament in late November this year. Now, one of the interesting sticking points yet to be resolved and I guess one point the two sides of Parliament are differing on is whether it should hold public hearings. So in New South Wales, ICAC holds public hearings, which is where Barry O'Farrell famously went down because he misled mm-hmm. the commission about a, an expensive bottle of wine. It's where Gladys Berejiklian's reputation went through the mill as well. And on the Labor side as well, Eddie O'Bead was grilled in front of um, one of these hearings and ended up facing criminal charges. So that's a, an interesting sticking point. It'll be interesting to see where they land on that. Yeah, so the, uh, we know the Liberals have been arguing against public hearings, but as you just mentioned, there have been very big political figures on both sides that have been brought down via the, the New South mm. Wales corruption watchdog, and it's absolutely in the public interest. There needs to be public accountability. Mm. These right. individuals are answerable to the Australian population. And the first results are in from the sham referendums held in eastern Ukraine. So these are the ones held by the Russian authorities. Partial results coming in so far show that the occupants of these four regions in the east of the country voted in favour 96% of joining Russia. And that's according to Russian media. So, yeah, they're denounced as sham elections by Kiev, the Ukraine government and Western governments like ours. Moscow's annexation plans could be announced as early as Friday, which would mean more sanctions and a further escalation of tensions. Ukraine has repeatedly warned that Russian annexation would destroy any chance of peace talks. And fill up your car today if you can, because the fuel excise cut will end at midnight tonight, adding 22 cents a litre to the cost of petrol at the Bowser. But we shouldn't see a jump in prices straight away, though, as petrol stations would have bought their latest stock at the discount rate. The fuel excise cut was originally brought in by the Morrison government for six months to help ease cost of living pressures. Yeah, and when they did that, petrol was way over $2 a litre, so it was hugely welcome at the time. Thankfully, Labor, who don't want to keep, I guess, losing this revenue, the price of petrol is much lower now, so it won't hurt consumers as much to lose that $0.22 a litre discount. And Tom, I can't remember exactly how much I paid last time I filled up. Do you? Yeah, I, I paid a dollar fifty a litre last week. Okay. So so even if it goes up to a $1.72, $1.75, that's still way better than where it was right. six months ago. The NASA spacecraft we mentioned yesterday has successfully smashed into an asteroid as part of a trial that might one day save the planet. Three, two, one. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. And we have to Yeah, so it was a wild moment. The spaceship is just the size of a fridge and it hit the asteroid, which is the size of the Great Pyramid of Giza. This all happened 11 million kilometres away from Earth. So uh, it's great that they hit the asteroid. That's the first achievement. Now we're waiting to find out if the DART spacecraft has actually pushed the asteroid off its course, which is what would save us from uh, doom and gloom if that asteroid was actually heading towards Earth. 
And this experiment um, is years in the making. It's the culmination of a decade of work. We'll catch you later, Tom. So the Liberal Party has a problem with women. And coming up, we'll be exploring if women will be the ones who can actually save it. It's really easy to get overwhelmed by problems that are so big. And as an individual, you can feel really powerless. You may say things to yourself like, I'm just one person, so what on earth can I do about it? Well, Charlotte Mortlock asked herself those questions after the last federal election, when young female voters abandoned the federal government en masse. And yes, the Liberal Party has a big problem when it comes to women. So the former journo decided to start a network with one goal, flood the Liberal Party with women. Charlotte Mortlock has just launched Hilma's Network. It's a grassroots organisation that's mission is to bring young women back to the conservative side of politics. Charlotte, I want to start off talking a little bit about you. You're a journalist who left TV news last year. You started a podcast called The Clock about women in their 30s, given our decisions are often guided by our biological clock. And then you found yourself in that age bracket, not married, not having kids, and then a segue to Liberal Party politics, which I have to say I was a little bit surprised by. Is it just me or were others, you know, also surprised? Well, Antoinette, I think it's got a few interesting connections in that one of the things that I'm most passionate about is creating community. I think that that's one of the most important parts of society. And so with the podcast, allowing women to feel like they're relating to others who are in a similar circumstance, that's about community. And it's also similar in politics. I wasn't always involved in politics until about seven years ago. I was quite apathetic to it. And then I started at Sky News and I got so you know, intrigued by politics. And I grew up with a family that always had voted Liberal, but I had never really questioned that myself. I don't think it exists anymore to, you know, vote for who your parents voted for. I think we're all a lot more politically engaged and we all make our own decisions. So that was a process in itself. But the one thing that I am really passionate about is democracy and Mm. Australia's uh, society. And I think that we all have a responsibility to be involved in that process. If we want a good country, we need to take our seat at the table and tell the political parties what we want from them because they're really serving us. Mm. And at the moment, the Liberal Party is in opposition and good opposition makes good government. So we need our party to be doing its role and we need to make sure that when we do come back into power in three, six, nine years, whenever that may be, that we have something really great to offer the Australian people. So let's talk about Hilma's network, because it's not sort of sanctioned or officially connected to the Liberal Party. Was that a deliberate choice? Because it's a bit of a hot mess over there. Yes, it was a deliberate choice. I think it gives us a little bit more freedom to do exactly what we want to do. I feel like we've really struck a chord. I launched the network two weeks ago and I've had 350 women sign up. I was blown away by that. I really didn't think that there would be that much Mm. appetite for it. And we had our first event We had probably 45 women turn up. And when I say we have 350, there's at least 30 women in Victoria. So this is right across Australia. But the first event in Sydney was just brilliant because it shows that there is a real appetite for 
women being involved in the Liberal Party and I don't think we are creating the right channels before. So by being separate from the Liberal Party, it really means that, you know, we can plan it however we want and we can make it really grassroots and that community base, which I was talking about earlier, that I think is so important Mm. um, in the political process. So given that mass exodus of young female voters, like how on earth do you plan to bring them back? What are you hearing so far are the top policies uh, that having more women in power could influence or perhaps change altogether? What I'm hearing is that we didn't have the right channels in place. We weren't listening to women. And that's what the Teals did really well. They infiltrated Facebook groups. They were doing coffees. They were doing walks. They were asking questions. And I think both major parties can get a bit arrogant sometimes. Like they are telling people the policies as opposed to listening to the community mm. and then creating the policies that they want. And that's what I'm aiming to do with Hilma's Network. We are going to be doing a survey after every event and that will be on policy. They will be able to say the direction that they would like to see the party going in. And I think that that is a really vital element of Hilma's Network that we are able to say, you know, because so often politicians say, oh, well, the base want this or the membership want this. Mm. And I want to say, well, here's your survey that says X amount of people want this. And everything's about providing safe spaces these days. Did you find that um, for some of these women that they had a safe space to talk about the fact that they're still liberal leaning, even though that in, in social circles, it might be unpopular to say that? You know, is there like a silent army of conservative women who are desperate to find their way? Well, it's so interesting that you use the word safe space because that was what everyone on the launch night kept talking about. Like they kept saying safe space. And it's funny because I've never used that word. So it wasn't something that I was particularly pushing. But I don't think many of these women would say they're conservative. I think many of them, you know, it's a it's a factionless network. So we had you know, women that aren't involved in politics at all, just dipping their toe in because they're curious about the Liberal Party. We also had women who would definitely be more moderate in thinking or more progressive in thinking. And then we did have conservative women too. So that's the beauty of the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party politicians can cross the floor and Labor can't. And that is one thing that I always think about. I think that's so appealing. I don't want to vote for a person who can't cross the floor because I don't like that collective think that you have to do what everyone says just because you're in a party. I think that safe space was really important. There were people saying that, you know, if you said you voted Liberal, it was really on the nose and people were embarrassed to admit it. Mm. And being in a room full of people who came literally um, with the agenda of being connecting Liberal-minded women, that's kind of our slogan, mm. they were really comfortable to talk about their opinions and they weren't, worried that someone would, you know, be nasty to them or judge them because of that. But is it fair to feed women to the wolves? Like the party clearly has a problem with its treatment of women, our interests, uh, in some cases, our safety. And you know, I do a lot of work in the diversity and inclusion space. You know, numbers, getting more numbers is only one part of the equation, but providing an environment for them to be safe and thrive is an equally important part. Yes, I think it's just a complex issue to fix. So the average Australian, according to the latest census, is a 37-year-old female Mm -hmm. and the average Liberal member 
is a man in his 60s. And that disconnect is really hurting our party. I don't want to be pretending like we don't have a women's issue if we do. I want women in the membership. That would be the best thing for the party, in my opinion. We want them to feel like we still want your opinion. We still want your insight. And I do think that that is where we will see the cultural shift change in the Liberal Party. If we can flood the membership with women, if we can decrease the average age, that is when we will see real change within the party. And that's why it has to be from the ground up, like a grassroots campaign. But totally understand your point. And that is something that the party need to look to officially themselves, their own mechanisms that they have and what they can do from that perspective. But this is just one prong that needs to be a multi-prong approach. And you rightly pointed out that the average Australian is a 37-year-old woman. And chances are, based on what the the latest census showed, more and more of those 37-year-old women are likely to be Indian or Chinese, given just how diverse Australia's population is. What's Helmer's Network doing to ensure that a diverse group of women are brought into the Liberal Party? Well, it's been fantastic because I haven't been inviting people to come to Hilma's Network. I'm doing media. I'm putting it out everywhere I can. And then people go to the website and they opt in and they say, I want to subscribe. So I think that's been really good in the sense of these aren't people that I grew up with. These aren't my friends. These aren't people associated with my industry. It's just such a diverse range of women. We have stuff to offer. We have insight. We need all sorts of religions and ethnicities because that's when we get diversity and that's where we make good policy that is creative, that is bold, that really hits home with people because you can't make policy when you've only got one demographic. It doesn't work. It won't stack up broadly enough for Australians. Charlotte Mortlock, who just launched Hilma's Network, So, yeah, it's no doubt a very big feat, um, but ensuring Aussie women have a genuine voice and actual power in the Liberal government, it's going to take time and it's going to take a heap of effort. And I guess one of the first steps towards systemic change is just being, like, totally honest about the scale of the problem. And then few people will actually have the energy or the will or the appetite to try and be part of that change. And I guess it's not always popular. It's certainly not an easy thing to do, but... Just like Charlotte says, our democracy and our nation will be better for it. Listener.